Welcome to the Employee Lounge. I'm your host, Joe Kang, and today we'll be talking about the Arlington County Fire Department with our special guests, David Bublitz and Benjamin O'Brien. David and Benjamin, thank you for joining us today. Please tell our audience what you do for Arlington County and how long you've been here. Joe, thank you for this opportunity. We value the opportunity to inform our coworkers and the public about the department, how anyone can become better prepared and help each other during emergencies. My name is Dave Pavlitz. I was appointed the fire chief for Arlington County in October 2018. I have 24 years of experience in fire, EMS, and rescue fields, and I served in Maryland and also the Alexandria Fire Department. And I'm Ben O'Brien, and I've been with the fire department for about 15 years now, currently serving as a captain, public information officer for the department. And uh, thank you also for having us and letting us get our message out. Awesome. Again, thank you for joining us today. Um, let's go right into the question. So what has the department been doing? Well, the traditional fire service has been changing over the years. We're focusing on prevention, preventing a variety of hazards that, we, that we've been seeing here recently. Traditional fire prevention is still critical in the county because there's a wide variety of hazards ranging from our urban environment with the high rises to the large expansive metro system and also the large complexes we have such as the Pentagon Reservation. Uh, the community and the community and the corresponding needs have been changing. We're trying to meet those. There's an old axiom from a fire chief I heard long ago. There's no honor in fighting a fire that could have been prevented. So we're focusing a lot of our efforts into making sure fires don't start in the first place. One of the big things we do for the community is emergency medical services. And in the past, you know, a lot of the time it was just people call 911. We'd show up with a big red box and treat your injuries and take you to the hospital. Well, under the leadership of our medical director, Dr. Reed Smith, we've been trying to kind of uh, massage that response so that we're not just showing up and providing a uh, one-size-fits-all response. We're, we're trying to customize it to the, the community and give the patient the, the actual care that they need or direct them to the care that's best for their issue. So one of the ways we've done that is train up our uh, our EMS supervisors and taught them more about the services that are available in the community as far as uh, things that DHS provides, uh, public housing provides, ACPD resources they have, urgent cares, so that we're not just sending people to the hospital automatically, we're sending them to the best place to treat what their actual issue is. We've also given them additional skills so that you know, they've got a little bit higher medical training to handle some, some higher level injuries and then also treat some injuries that we otherwise would have had to take them to the hospital to treat. We can treat them right there on scene before they get worse. Another thing we've done to kind of help the utilization of our resources is sometimes we'll, we'll find other ways of getting them either to an urgent care or to a hospital, not just putting them in an ambulance and taking that resource out of service for someone that doesn't necessarily need that. And then another thing we do also is, in the past, we've had some patients that we run quite often. Instead of, again, just doing a one-size-fits-all, we've partnered with other departments in the community. We meet monthly and discuss these patients' needs so that we are sending them to the actual department that can help them, not just shipping them off to the hospital and leaving them there. An unfortunate sign of our times is that there are many bad actors that are trying to harm, kill people, or destroy property. We, had, we kind of term these as complex coordinated attacks. The county and it's also has been a leader in the region to develop and to address some of the incidents such as active violence, bomb and explosive, and also a new trend is using fire as a weapon. 
The high threat program within the county is integrated with law enforcement, intelligence organizations, and community groups to bring about a response capability and also information how others can be prepared for become aware of these incidents and also how to respond to them. Thank you for that very detailed description on what you guys have been doing. It sounds like a lot of great work, um, especially encouraging to hear that you guys are proactively working with other departments in the county to make sure that people are getting the services that they need and uh, educating folks on prevention. So let's go a little bit above the clouds here. For some of us that haven't actively worked with you guys, get some you know factoids about the fire department in Arlington County. Uh, so could you tell us how many fire stations there are in Arlington County? Yeah, we currently have uh, 10 fire stations spread out you know, around the county so that we can get to the, the various areas of the county as expedient as we can. Right now we're kind of in nine stations at the moment because number seven is under, undergoing some renovation work. Mm -hmm. But on a regular basis, we have 10 stations. Um, and for the public consumer, I guess, uh, how many average number of calls do you guys get per day? Is that something that you guys... An average amount is about 75 calls for service a day, and the majority of those will be emergency medical service calls, a variety of incidents ranging from chest pains to breathing problems to minor injuries. And then we have a, another portion of the calls can be related to vehicle accidents, or we have a variety of types of fire calls, such as alarm soundings, outside fires, cooking incidents, or large structure fires. Okay. Have you guys, in your wide breadth of experience and history in this field, have you guys seen any unique calls or experiences that are constricted to Arlington County that you can share? We're, we're trained to see what we call normal is general abnormal conditions. Right. We're trained and we're conditioned and we're drilled to respond to a wide variety of incidents where some a child can have their arm stuck in a vending machine and it may take some complex equipment to make sure we extract the child without any injury. That may seem unusual to some, but we kind of call that normal. We kind of expect that. Um, sometimes the things that we would be, that may surprise us, would be the scale of a scope of an incident, or scope of an incident, such as the 9-11 in Pentagon. I mean, that was, a, that was a once in a career kind of activity. So, some, and sometimes there could be many aspects while we're trained to handle fire, rescue, EMS, they can all be combined. So the incident could be complicated or can extend over a long period of time. So those incidents happen once in a while, we just have to be ready for it for them to, when they do occur. And then getting into the daily operations uh, within the Arlington County Fire Department, can you tell us a little bit about what a day in the life of a fire chief or a captain would be in Arlington County? Uh, yeah, I mean, up in the office, it's it's not too exciting. It's it's a lot of meetings. Um, you know, again, like we talked about, we, we meet with the different departments in the county, different organizations within the county that we respond to to make sure that we're we're all on the same page when we do have emergency incidents. In my spot specifically, I handle social media for the fire department. Uh, if we have certain incidents that pique media interest, uh, answering their calls and questions, and doing stuff like this, trying to proactively get our message out. If you're in the station, it's kind of a structured, unstructured life there. We, we work a 24-hour shift. So your, your shift starts at 7 a.m. So typically 
the crews are getting there somewhere between 5.30 and 7 a.m. for the most part. You come in, get in your uniform, go out to whatever apparatus you're riding that day and relieve the person that was working the night before. So that means taking all your fire gear and swapping it out with theirs, putting it on the rig that you're riding, checking that everything's ready to go. Then you might kind of socialize with the crew in the morning. We have morning meetings so that we all get on the same page as far as whatever's going on that day. Our newer folks, our probationary folks, tend to do a lot of the housework. The crews will pitch in, but when you're the new person in the house, that a lot of that falls to you. So just like anything at home, it, it, every fire station's like a big home that's occupied 24 hours a day, anywhere from four to 12, 13 people. So, you know, there's dishes that need to be put away, dishes that need to be cleaned, breakfast that needs to be made, general sweeping, cleaning, bathrooms, all that kind of stuff around the, the station. Mm -hmm. And then as the day goes on, you know, you go out, you check all the equipment on the trucks. There might be training as a department that's organized or training within your company. Uh, as the probationary folks come out of school, they've got a booklet that they have to complete in the first nine months that they're out in the field. So. They're focused on getting those those skills and check sheets done. And then incidents happen, you're, you're responding to that and adjusting your day as you go. You know, as the day goes on, you, you try and get your meals in where you can. And, uh, toward the end of the night, same thing as things start to quiet down. And you've got last watch that, again, that, that new person's going to handle doing the dishes and making sure that everything's cleaned up around the station so that when that next crew comes in in the morning, they're not showing up to a jungle. You've got a somewhat uh, nice place to come into and start the day. And, you know, as you go through the day, we, we do a lot of training. So with that training comes recording that training, and, uh, paperwork at the end of the day, and reports, every call that we run. Uh, if it's an EMS call, you got a, a patient care report you got to do every fire type call and every EMS call there's another report we got to do just basically recording what we did for the day around that incident. Kind of all over the place so like I said it, you can go any direction but the day starts out with a basic structure to it. Awesome. So based on that description I'm hearing you know, there's a lot of training, a lot of knowledge retention and sharing uh, flexibility for things that come up during the day even though you might have a somewhat of a set schedule of when things start and when things can you guys talk a little bit about what some of the most critical skills are needed to be successful here at Arlington County Fire Department? One of the most important characteristics is motivation. From the second someone applies to the department, we put them through a very rigorous selection process. We're measuring physical aptitude, mental capacity, behavioral traits, and that, that occurs over a long period of time. So they have to stay with the process if they really want to serve in a service related or in a service career. Then, just as Captain O'Brien described, our days are full. That's if there's not a variety of calls that happen throughout the day. So we have to make sure we can be flexible and adaptable, and adaptable going from one activity to the next. We may have a great plan for the day and it may fall apart at 9 o'clock because we can have 10 back-to-back -back calls and also be up for 24 hours at a, at a, during a shift. So we're, we're looking for people who can go with the flow, adjust, adapt, and we have a continual learning process. We have to always be physically ready. We have to manage the stress and strains that we um, see behaviorally and also physically. So it just takes a lot to maintain our capability to respond, to provide service, and also to be part of a well-functioning team, which is critical in our profession. Right. 
And I'm assuming being in that house with a lot of your colleagues for a long time, I, I, I'm assuming that would help build that camaraderie and familiarity. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You're, you know, it's, it's like having a second family, basically. You've got a whole another bunch of personalities that you're dealing with. And, you know, you're experiencing a lot of different things every day with those folks. So, you know, you, you build those bonds, too. So let's say if a person is successful in going through the recruiting process and they hire as uh, part of the fire department, uh, what is a typical career progression that they could foresee in the future? When, like I said, when they come out of recruit school, they are, we call it backstep firefighters. So they're, they're trained to do basic EMS, throw ladders, pull hoses, do the, the bulk of the, the work we can do on a low level. So that first nine months, they're kind of focused on getting through that probationary process and proving that they know those skills. Once you get through your probationary period, there's there's a number of directions you can kind of go. You can go get your paramedic, which is a higher level of EMS training, and you know, I guess close to somewhere between a quarter and a third of our members probably have their their paramedic training, and more than that have maybe gone through it and then kind of moved on from it. So that opens up different things, you know, if you want to be a, an EMS supervisor, if you want to be a SWAT medic, if you want to, uh, you know, we've had a number of people that have moved on to careers as, say, PAs or otherwhere in the, the medical field. So if you're in that, there, there's a lot of opportunities. There's also our specialty teams like technical rescue and hazmat and water rescue. So you can focus on those. We have the fire marshal's office. So there's a lot of different directions. If you choose to focus on those, and or if you just stay a firefighter, from there we, we kind of go through a promotional process where you you go through a two to three day testing process of doing some scenarios and uh, written work and presentation and showing how you would lead a crew. And you go to lieutenant level where you'd be in charge of an apparatus or you know if you're in administrative jobs you might have a low level program management. From there, we go to a Captain One, who again would be in charge of an apparatus and a station at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, maybe a little level management and admin. And then a Captain Two would be in charge of a whole station across all three shifts. We have three shifts that we work in. And then from there to a battalion chief, where you're in charge of a group of five stations or a program. And then above them is a deputy chief, and then you get to the chief. Gotcha. Awesome. Thank you for that description. So let's say I want to become a firefighter or join Burlington County Fire Department. Are there any tips or advice that you would give them to help prepare for that application process? From my experience, uh, when I I grew up volunteering, so I, I had a little bit of background. But when I wanted to start getting hired, just research. There's there's tons of information on the internet these days that you can learn about departments, learn about the areas they serve, the communities they serve. And I think you alluded to it earlier, you know, departments are different. So we have a lot of very exciting stuff here that may or may not interest you. Maybe you're interested in a different type of area. So I would say research the department, make sure it's the type of area that you want to be serving in. And it is a good one. So if you're interested, I encourage it. Learn about firefighting, learn about what the day is like. Fitness is a big thing, especially when you go through that recruit school. It's about six, seven months of very 
physical rigorous times because you're you're working out just to get in shape you're spending all day in uh, fire gear you're throwing ladders you're pulling hoses and you're learning skills so you're doing it over and over and over again and depending on when that school is you know it might be the middle of June it might be the middle of January but you, you're gonna be taxed physically so um, you know study get in shape and just learn about the department and make sure that's what you want to do and if you got questions uh, especially here in Arlington stop by a station and talk to the crews they'll they'll tell you what it's like and kind of show you around and give you an idea of what you'd be getting into we're looking for and we encourage a wide variety of diverse applicants we would like to recruit either students or professionals to come into our organization while we provide emergency services, while we provide fire and rescue response, we also have an opportunity for a variety of skills and education to be applied to, within the fire department. In the fire service, there are, I know of a lot of lawyers. We also have use for if someone had skills as a graphic designer. We have lots of training material or learning lesson plans that we, individuals can work on. Technology is being interlaced into everything we do, so if there's anyone with interest in the computer sciences, the fire service and emergency medical services is an excellent opportunity to use some of those skills where we traditionally think it's just fire, rescue, and EMS. There's a lot of other ways that everyone can help the department become better and become ready to respond. Thank you for that. Um, so let's switch back to the public side uh, or the employee side as well. So. Some of the things that we talked about earlier was prevention. Uh, and so I'd like to ask you guys, what can the public or staff do to become involved or better prepared for emergencies? That's a great question. We have several programs that can help residents and also employees of the county. Uh, one of the most long-standing programs is Operation Fire Safe. Between April, on the Saturdays between April and October, October is Fire Prevention Week. Our crews will go door-to-door -to -door for residents of Arlington County and also the cities of Falls Church. We'll offer to check and repair smoke alarms and offer home safety checks and provide any advice to make sure fires aren't started or we can prevent fires. We'll discuss home evacuation plans, make sure everybody has two ways out of their home or residence. We will advise about smoke and carbon monoxide alarm placement. We'll talk about furnaces and fireplace cleaning and make sure that's not a source of fire and we'll talk about storage of flammable materials such as gasoline solvents or chemicals. We want to make sure we have adequate clearance between space heaters to make sure that's not a source of ignition and also electrical safety, that we're not using too many electrical cords or overloading a particular circuit with all of our electronic appliances. We'll focus on general kitchen and water safety and we'll also discuss any other hazards that could be present in the home to make sure everybody has a safe residence and a safe dwelling. Another thing we've been trying to focus on is kind of em empowering the community. Between the time that an incident happens and the time that we get on scene, in Arlington County we're, we're fairly quick because we're, we're right on top of each other, but there's still, you know, depending on where you're at and what happens, maybe four or ten minutes between what happens and we get there to treat the person. So we've been trying to work on programs to train the public to kind of fill that gap with some basic skills where they can literally save a life. So one of the programs that we've started working on is uh, Hands to Hearts, which is a hands-only CPR training program. Uh, 
Uh, it's a partnership between us and Virginia Hospital Center, and it focuses on, like I said, hands-only CPR. A lot of people are kind of hands-off about it because they don't want to do mouth-to-mouth. Well, we found that you don't need to do that, just doing the compressions, knowing to call 911, actually being able to recognize that someone's in cardiac arrest to begin with is, you know, you can triple someone's chances of surviving cardiac arrest just by providing that CPR. So with our partnership with VHC, we, we trained over 4,000 people last year in hands-only CPR, uh, like I said, recognizing cardiac arrest, AED use, and then we've even gotten into helping someone who's choking. Another thing along, along that same lines, you know, unfortunately in the news you see all the active violence incidents going on. Well, should we encounter that, we want to train people on how to react to that so that again, before we can get there, they can make a difference and save lives. So one of the programs we've partnered up with the Office of Emergency Management is Be the Help Until Help Arrives. And what that focuses on is it talks about trends that we see in active violence incidents, how you can recognize that's happening, how to safely react and respond to it. We also get into some basic skills, like I said, where if you find yourself in that situation, you can treat those around you and save lives until we can get in there and you know start providing care. And then along with treating the patients, it also talks about how you can safely and effectively move people to safe areas. In that class again, they trained over a thousand people last year focusing on community or I'm sorry, county employees and also community members. And they're actually having a class tonight. So it's an ongoing uh, great initiative if you can get into one of those classes. A lot of good reviews on it. Are there future classes for that coming up as well? Yeah, they're uh, they're working on the schedule for the rest of the year right now, so that should be out shortly. Another outreach and awareness campaign is making the right call. We want to try to make sure our 911 system is ready to respond to true emergencies. We want to make sure we get the right resources to the right person to get them to the right facility. But some, sometimes there's 911 abuse where people call 911 for non-emergency conditions. We want to try to limit that to try to educate the public on what a true medical emergency is. And that can consist of severe trauma, unconsciousness, heavy bleeding that won't stop, burns involving the face or large portion of the body, severe chest pains, especially with sweating, vomiting, or difficulty breathing, allergic reactions where the throat or the tongue start to swell, making breathing difficult, stroke-like symptoms, poisoning, vomiting more than a half a cup of blood, labor pains fewer than five minutes apart, the person who is choking, or sudden or unexplained confusion, severe breathing difficulty, abdominal pain, and seizures and convulsions, or sudden onset of new or severe pain, unexplained headaches. This is a long list, but we want to emphasize if anyone's experiencing a true medical emergency or are simply unsure about that, please do not hesitate to call 911. You know, to that point, a lot of the time we answer calls for people who just don't know what to do. You know, they're in a situation, don't have an answer, so 911 brings someone to their door to provide them an answer. So part of that program is just trying to educate them on the front end. You know, but if, like Chief said, if, if you're not sure, you call 911, we'll come and point you in the right direction. We also have a very good partnership with the police department, Department of Health Services, 
where we started several years ago to host drug take-back boxes at several fire stations and also at the county police headquarters. Instead of flushing the medicines down the toilet, instead of keeping them around the house where the wrong person can get a hold of them or throwing them in the trash, please bring by any unused medications to three fire stations. Fire Station 2 off at 4805 Wilson Boulevard, Fire Station Number 5 at 1750 South Hay Street, or Fire Station Number 9 at 1900 South Walter Reed Drive, and also in front of the County Police Department headquarters in the 2000 block of the 14th Street. Awesome. So thank you guys so much for that detailed list of things that uh, community members or staff can participate in. Um, so if any of them want to contact the department or sign up for these wonderful resources, uh, what can they do? You can always get a hold of us on the website. Uh, there's plenty of information to kind of direct you in the direction you want to go, whether you're looking for training or uh, maybe information about fire permits or if you have questions about fire code. But you can always email us at fire at arlingtonva.us. You can call us at uh, 703-228-3362, and that's our main line. And again, depending on what your question is, we'll be able to divert you to where you need to go to get the answers you're looking for. And then, you know, again, if, if you were interested in applying or wanted to know more about what the fire department does, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at ArlingtonVAFD, and, you know, we post stuff daily on what the department's doing there as well. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, this was very fun and informative. Uh, thanks for taking the time to explain to all the listeners out there what the Owens County Fire Department is all about. Thank you very much for giving us the opportunity. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Joe. And if anyone has any questions on how we can help with safety, preparedness, or response during emergencies, please don't hesitate to contact us. Awesome. Thank you for tuning into the Employee Lounge. We hope you enjoy this podcast and you'll join us again for our next episode. Please remember to subscribe and listen to new and archived episodes at any time on your mobile devices. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and SoundCloud by searching for Arlington County Government Employee Lounge. Please help us get the word out by sharing this podcast with your boss, your team, and fellow county employees. Until next time, stay strong.